Hello, you're listening to Coaching Skills for Leaders. This is episode number seven, recorded on September 30th, 2011. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching Skills for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak. This is the show for leaders who want to develop their coaching skills so they can influence the success of others, their organization, and themselves. Whether you're a seasoned leader or you're leading people for the first time, improving your coaching skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is Coaching the Millennials, Part 1. One of the biggest struggles that leaders have today in working with people is how to work with the young people in the workforce today. And uh, this is something that as I'm working with clients, I've had people tell me again and again, and probably one of the most common requests I receive is how do I work effectively with these young folks? And so we're going to tackle this. uh, You may have noticed this is part one. We're going to tackle this in a two episode series here over the next two weeks. And I'm uh, really honored that I have two guests coming in the next two weeks, and I'll introduce our first guest here in just a moment. But before we uh, we move forward on on talking about the millennials, I think it probably makes sense to take a moment to define who are the millennials. And there's a whole bunch of terms that are used to describe this group, millennials, Generation Y, uh, Nintendo Generation. Generally speaking, though, the millennials, for for most definitions, are folks that are born between 1980 and 2000. So that 20-year period is generally what we think of the millennial generation. And uh, I was just reading this week in the fall 2011 edition of the Leader to Leader Journal, which I'll talk about here in future episodes. It's a great journal for leaders. Uh, they report that there's 44 million millennials already in the workplace and 46 million more are coming in the next few years. And another interesting statistic that they mention is that 75% of them are planning to find new jobs as the economy improves. So there's going to be a lot of change in the coming years for leaders and those of us who work with this population of, uh, of folks in our organizations. And one of the other things that this uh, this article mentions in Leader to Leader is that Generally speaking, many people consider this generation to be very technologically savvy, well-educated, fast learners, very optimistic about the future and their contributions to the world. But in addition to that, uh, they also report that this generation tends to be overconfident, have an inflated opinion about themselves, and also in the need of constant feedback. So we're going to talk about that today and how we can, as leaders and coaches, really work together um, and and have some good tools to be able to communicate well with this organization. And as you're thinking of comments or questions for us and this show today and, and for our guest, uh, please call them in. You can reach us at 877-LEARN45 or via email at feedback at innovatelearning.com. And I am honored to welcome a guest here today for our show and uh, I'm going to introduce Gilbert here in just a moment. Uh, one of the things that I, I like to do is when we're talking about some of these these tools and, and challenges and working with different populations is to invite people in who have a lot of experience with uh, working with those types of populations. And I can't think of a better person to talk with who has experience in working with young people in this generation than my friend 
Gilbert Fugit. And uh, Dr. Gilbert Fugit is Associate Dean of Students at Concordia University here in Irvine, California. And Gilbert, uh, in addition to being an Associate Dean at Concordia, you also are a good friend of ours. And so I'm so glad that you're joining us here in studio today. Thanks for coming by. Well, Dave, I am honored to be here. Uh, thanks for asking me to be a, a part of this. And uh, yeah, you guys are, are great friends. We've had some uh, great, great times there at, uh, at Pepperdine together. We so, did. Yeah. Yes, yes. Gilbert and I uh, went to school together. And actually, uh, my wife, Bonnie, is also a graduate of Pepperdine. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's great to have you back here. And, and uh, you know, our uh, over the years, we've become friends. But also now we're uh, getting to work together again, which is great. So That's best of both worlds. Couldn't ask for more. Uh, Likewise. So let's talk for a few minutes uh, today about the millennial generation. And you, you probably more than anyone I know have really, uh, in many ways, built your career around working with people who are of this age group, kind of that 1980 to 2000 age group. um, Because uh, I know you've worked with for Concordia for a number of years now, and you were involved with leadership development for students and still are in Mm -hmm. your, in your new role. And prior to that, you were a youth pastor and mm-hmm. working with this generation extensively. So I, I think you're, you just provide a tremendous amount of real life experience with working with this group. And I know you're very passionate about working with them too. So uh, I'm just curious before we start and get into some of the kind of the nitty gritty, what excites you about working with this generation? Sure, Dave. Love to talk about that. Uh, you know, I have, I've, I've, this seems to be my niche in life is working with um, right now, the Generation Y. And what excites me about just Generation Y, I get up every day and do the drive that I do to get to working with Concordia and working with these students is for, for one that they are. They are um, incredibly um, optimistic and they are, uh, they have, they're well-educated. They do um, just kind of have this, this passion about them that they want to go out and change the world. Mm. And they're very much more globally uh, connected and oriented. Uh, they have, uh, you know, I mean, when we were in college a hundred years ago, I mean, we didn't have <laughs> Facebook. We didn't have friends from Kenya or South Africa or, yeah. uh, you know, China, all these different things that they connect with uh, on a frequent basis. And and so they seem much more connected globally and, and even... Um, uh, socially within the United States and things uh, that they, they seem to know a lot more people from around. And so um, th- this is something that they, they've used to their advantage, sometimes to their detriment, but oftentimes to their advantage in, a, in how they conduct themselves. So that's one thing I see. I see that they, they, they can see some possibilities in this world as far as trying to, to improve um, and, and, and do some things. Social, social consciousness is, is a big theme within them. And so, uh, I, well, that's really, that's exciting that I can see uh, kind of this, almost just change, that, that they, they really are, are taking advantage of, of wanting to be a part of the change that's going on and, and how they can impact that. So We were talking earlier about some of the patterns that we see with this, organ, with this group of, of folks at this age group. And one of the things that you talked about right away was technology and how technology has played a role in the uh, the culture of this generation tell me a little bit more about that what do you how do you see technology playing a role in just their everyday interactions with with you and in the in the, in the school environment and ultimately in the workplace certainly yeah I, you know i've i have seen where now cell phones uh, at one point you know 10 years ago were something that you had as a necessity 
and things like that, and you, you used, and it becomes come, kind of common. Within the last 10 years, it's exploded. Mm. And now, you know, the iPhone and the BlackBerry, all these kind of things, uh, it seems to be a, a prerequisite. You need to have that in order to function in the society, especially within the millennials. And we have one student who doesn't have text messaging. And you would think about it 10 years ago, there might have only been one student that had text messaging. That's a student, you know, would have been a student leader. And so it's changed where now everybody talks through text. And not only text, but on your iPhone, you can do, you know, um, face-to-face. I think it's called FaceTime. And, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. so you can do that and you can post videos and they immediately go on the Internet. And everybody's got a video and they put it on YouTube and then they, they throw it, you know, on their whatever social media network. And, and so... Uh, technology's really influenced. Uh, I've seen the programs, uh, what they do, um, how they conduct their, their, their lives. Uh, I mean, immediately when they do something, they expect everybody else to see it and not only see it, but they expect their friends and family to comment on, mm. on what they've done. So, so within technology, they, they really um, are always connected. Facebook has never really turned off on, on their phones and things like that. And so uh, within the, the working world, uh, they can leverage that to, to a company or organization's advantage. How we use it at Concordia is, you know, they, they communicate to their other student bodies through Twitter, through Facebook, through texting, uh, what, what's happening and, or, or what, what opportunity is going on right now, which has really proved to be uh, effective for them. And, and so that's just one area. It can't be the only area, but it's now been a really good area that they've utilized, mm. I, I see. What are some of the obstacles that the faculty and staff run into with working with this generation that you see as typical patterns? Sure. What we've really tried to address with our students has been email etiquette. Uh, mm-hmm. And is because, you know, one way we we certainly communicate as, as a university, and I, I think most organizations would be through email. Well, what we find is sometimes students try and communicate through email as they do through texting and, and their a- etiquette and grammar uh, instead of, you know, uh, addressing somebody with proper respect. That's one thing that I see with the generation that they're so used to their, their parents being friends, almost not as seen as authority figures that we have problems with them addressing our president as president and not just, you know, Hey, Kurt, how you doing? You know, and, mm-hmm. and their professors calling them first names that there's, there's sometimes a lack of, um, uh, authority, uh, you know, addressing that. And so, so that's one thing that we, we do address with that. But however, the students, um, when, when they do, they can, they can make some very intricate videos and things like that, that can be really beneficial to their classroom learning experience, being student leaders. Um, one of our students just put together an, an intramural video and it's kind of gone, you know, viral across, uh, Facebook and everywhere else. And, wow. And, and it's, I mean, it's something they, they've promoted and things like that. And they have a very big high need to go green now. I've discovered a lot of students. So instead of filling out paperwork and things like that, they kind of always ask the questions, can we do this all online? Is it possible to do it online? And I think, uh, I think more companies are beginning to do that. And that also saves resources for, for companies too, to be able to, to, in our university to not have to print off everything. So I know one of the struggles that many, leaders I've worked with and organizations in the past few years is, you know, how to really engage this audience sure. and, you know, engagement's just a huge word right now, as far as this generation and trying to do that well. So what, when trying to help millennials learn, sure. what should people do to really engage this group? 
Sure. And and certainly, yeah, that's a great question because, you know, sometimes we get so involved with the technology world, we try and engage them so much there. And then it, it seems like uh, they figure out a way that we, you know, we're not really experts on that. And so really how this generation likes to be gauged is face to face. They like FaceTime. They like building the personal relationships mm-hmm. uh, much more than even when I, you know, certainly when I was in college, I don't remember going and spending time in um, our coach's office or a student student affairs person office or my professor's office. And they do, they do like to go to lunch. They like to come and just sit and debrief about their day and about their plans for the future. So building that personal relationship, they need that. They, they are very well connected technology wise, but they desperately desire the, the human, the human touch, the human factor of personal relationships. They, they, they seem to really be desiring that. And, and it also sounds to me in some of the reading I've done that some of them also fear that mm-hmm. they, they're so comfortable online mm-hmm. that there's this fear about engaging people or even getting in a conversation where they have to respond immediately, where they don't have that time to think about how they're going to text back or, or message back. Mm-hmm. What, what's been your experience with that? Have you run into students that have had, uh, and young people have had challenges with that? Yeah, certainly at first, um, when they don't really know you, they're, they're, a lot of them are quite guarded sometimes because, you know, they, they're not, you know, they're not sure uh, about how to work with adults in, mm. in, in a professional manner. Sure. And so, uh, yeah, that sometimes they like to have that little delay where they can take time to text and calling them kind of throws them off. If you need to call them on their cell phone, they'd much rather text. I found that. Yeah. 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 So, so sometimes it's, it's really working with them to say, no, you need to go and have a conversation with that person. Or when I work with them, I much rather call people than just text all the time. And so they kind of learn that mode and, and then, um, we, we work on that. And so with my student leaders, I, I really challenge them that, that you need to be able to stand and talk with people, not just text all the time. You need to be able to have that conversation, create some deep, meaningful um, relationships with, with others. And so that's something that we work on. And, and it takes time to build this because honestly, a lot of these students are not coming in with those skills and they haven't developed them in, in high school. And they've been allowed to kind of be on, the, be on their computers and live in that uh, virtual world. And so uh, that's why sometimes I take them away to a camp where their cell phones won't work. And, mm-hmm. and they don't have um, TV and things like that. And, and so we, we, we take time to really get to know each other and work on these verbal kind of communications. Okay. Let me ask you some more about this because I think this sure. is really kind of one of the big obstacles for a lot of leaders once this group gets to the corporate world is kind of that starting point. Sure. How to get beyond the, you know, they know what to do once they've got that engagement but they see someone walk into their organization that is not real comfortable engaging, not real comfortable initially in one-on-one conversation, and they don't know how to like jump over that hump. Yeah. And so what, what would be your advice, uh, Gilbert, for you know, leaders and organizations who don't necessarily have the resources or the ability to you know, take folks out on a retreat? Or what, would be, what are some things you've seen that have worked really well for faculty and staff just to start that engagement process? Yeah. Yeah. You know, for, for leaders with their organizations, um, for, for when I've trained these student leaders, uh, not only do, you know, we need to spend time, I need to make sure to be very clear on the expectations and very clear on, um, you know, how the organization works, why we do what we do. 
Hmm. So the whole kind of mentality of, well, this is just how it's always been done doesn't work with this generation. There needs to be kind of a conversation on this is why we do what we do. This is how, why we approach a situation the way we do. This is, and I, when you now started, you know, with new, new, you know, even having, you know, graduate assistants there. And so we talk about protocol. Okay. When this situation comes up, this is why we do it the way we do it. And, and really being clear about that and not assume that they will understand that. And I think that then gives them a level of comfort where then they will be able to function within that organization. Where I see students fail is if they are thrown into an organization with very little direction and, and kind of assume that they know what to do. And then they just, they just kind of almost wither. They, they became very apathetic because they don't know if they're succeeding, but they don't know if they're failing. And they need that kind of feedback where it says, okay, and they can take the honest feedback. Yeah, okay, I understood where you were going with that, but this, this is really the direction our, our organization is going. Mm-hmm. And, and this is why, this is the protocol, and this is why we've established that way. Now, we can discuss maybe how we can change it in the future, but right now, this is, this is what we expect, and, and this is how it really works well. So. so it sounds like if I'm thinking back to kind of classical leadership management theory, you know, tell people what to do is kind of step one, and, you know, many leaders and managers are used to that, but... It sounds like what you're saying is, yes, certainly tell them what to do. But in addition to that, take the next step of what's the why behind the what? Yep. So why are we taking this, these actions? Why does the organization do this? And if that, if you can articulate that clearly to this generation, that that will help you to engage them more quickly. Exactly. They need the, they will get that buy-in on mm-hmm. this is why we are doing this and not just because they want meaning within their work. And, and I, I believe that's what this generation wants. They don't just want to sell a widget. They need to know how this is, you know, benefiting humanity and, and what, what has gone on to go into production of this and why our company believes this is important that we're doing that. Because once you get them by, bought into um, a belief and that this is why we're doing that, then you have a better opportunity that they're going to stay with the organization and they'll be one of your uh, most productive employees, I believe. And I think that this could also be a huge opportunity for leaders too, who are really able to engage at that level yeah. because you get a group of people that are just passionate about going after causes. I, and I know mm-hmm. some of the young people in, in uh, uh, my life, just I'm just amazed at the passion they have for doing things that I don't think most of the people that I knew when I was that age had. Oh yeah, and and that is something too that you know as as leaders of the organizations is to you know take time to even know what's going on outside of work because some of these students are involved with nonprofit organizations that are are doing amazing work out there, and sometimes maybe uh, they can intermix within their work world and, and things. And so you know to to kind of engage some of the, these students do want to make an impact and to 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 spend a little time to get to know what's going on there and then and then kind of help that bleed over into the work world if possible if that can happen so speaking of the work world when leaders are working with young people of this age as they're developing them as that development process is going on what's the best way that leaders can communicate with this generation sure sure well you know again there there's um you have to be hmm almost have to look at it with multi-dimensional ways. Mm, you you, you okay. have to you have to be able to communicate certainly and I think for the the younger workers coming in they need the face-to-face uh, talking, 
you know, meetings if possible. But also you need to be able to, um, through, through email, um, and, and then, uh, you know, the way that the way to communicate really through them is, is to have a conversation. Um, maybe to try and stay away from almost the dictator approach. You get up, you, you, you say something and then you expect them all to follow. It's almost better to, if you can get them within small groups, you can have focus groups, uh, and, and you kind of help them, uh, you know, see that together. I mean, that, that's, that's powerful. If you get a group of young people that are coming to your organization, really help create a cohort system if possible and and work through that they love group work these students are are that's what they've grown up with and Mm. when i've taught classes um they they often they beg to group projects now some of them don't like it but a lot of them they really want to have a group they want that group experience and and our generation hated that yes (laughs) we never wanted to no no we're like another group project okay so but no these they crave it they've they've kind of that was a model i think that started happening in the k through 12 and so that's that's what they're used to. Interesting. So what have you found that works with giving feedback and praise to this generation? Because one of the things that we hear about in the literature a lot is that they want a lot of feedback. They want so how how do you what's your experience with that, Gilbert? Sure. Yeah, you know, and the feedback and praise portion of this is is quite interesting. Uh, for, for one, uh, they do desire constant feedback because that's what they've got. Uh, their teachers have always been connected to their parents through email throughout the K through 12 system. So now instantly, okay, little Johnny had a bad day. The teacher might've emailed their parents or email, you know, and so they've had this constant, uh, monitoring almost. Then all of a sudden they get in the work world and maybe once a year there's a performance review that's done. So they're not getting this daily, um, daily kind of mentoring or, or things like that. So, so be able to give the constant feedback, but truly make sure it's you're praising them for jobs well done. They have been praised, unfortunately, too often for work that wasn't superior throughout their 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 experience. You know, there's a great book out there. Every not everybody gets a trophy, and it talks about mm-hmm. how you know things when we were kids. You know. A team might have won and the champion got a trophy. Well, now it seems like, I guess, and I haven't seen this yet but because my daughter's too young, but at some point it seems like, I guess, every team now gets a trophy. Every player on every team gets some type of trophy. So now it feels watered down that everybody must get an award. And so, and in the same way in, in their education, you know, maybe they all got A's and their work wasn't superior, but yet it was rewarded that way. And, and they're very smart. They're, they can understand when they've not put the best effort into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with some of my student leaders, I've had to be very honest. I go, this is not a good effort. And they're like, yeah, I know. And I go, you can do better. And so we challenge them to be able to do, to do better and say that's what we expect. And I, I believe once you set those expectations, they're starving to have those type of expectations and to have everybody else held accountable to that level of expectations. So honesty, authenticity are huge with this group and being able to give feedback that's really connected to evidence too, it sounds yeah. like is, is huge as far as being able to engage them. Yeah. And being transparent. This, this generation wants you to be more transparent. And, you know, if you have to make a difficult, difficult uh, decision within your organization, like we've had to at school a few times is, you know, say, this is, this is why this is happening. And I know you may not agree with it now, and this is a tough, tough direction we have to go. And, uh, but, but this is kind of where, where we're at on it. 
and be as transparent as, as you can. And, and they, they appreciate that. They appreciate being honest and transparent and they can see through, uh, the fakeness and they won't, they won't buy into an organization that, that, uh, goes along with that. We're just about to the end of our time. So anything oh, wow. that you, I know we got time <laughs> flies when we're having fun. That's right. Um, anything you'd like to add that you think should be something that if you were a leader in a business today that you'd, you'd, or if you were advising a leader in a business today, what would be the one thing you'd want them to remember from working with this age group? Sure. You know, one, I think this generation is exciting. Um, they, they've, they're they're probably one of the most well-educated generations to come about because of all the technology. They have instant access. If you ask them a question, they can find it on their iPhone or their BlackBerry. They can find this instantly. It's at their fingertips. So as a, as a leader, we must think about how we're going to engage that to further uh, improve our organization to, and then how we're going to leverage that um, and, and help them to seek buy-in. So again, I think personal relationships, deep personal relationships with these employees, spend time and help them see the why behind your organization. Gilbert Fugit is Associate Dean of Students at Concordia University in Irvine, California. Gilbert, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Dave. I loved it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Gilbert Fugit. Gilbert, in addition to being a great friend of mine, is, as you can tell, someone who's really passionate about working with this generation of young people who are transitioning into the workplace and, in many cases, transitioning into a workplace that doesn't know a lot about how to interact with them and how to coach and develop them. So I hope some of those tools that Gilbert had mentioned will be helpful to you and that you'll take that advice and put it into practice. And as you do, that you'd keep stay connected with me and with this show and let me know what worked effectively for you and also what comments and questions you have. And as you're thinking about comments and questions and how to implement some of the things we've talked about today, I also would encourage you to come back and listen to part two of this topic that's going to be next week. So we're going to keep talking about how to coach the millennials. And I'm really excited for our guest next week, who, uh, in addition to someone who has a lot of experience working with young people, I'm a huge fan of, and that's because I happen to be married to her. So in addition to uh, her being my best friend and life partner, Bonnie Stahoviak, uh, who will be with us next week, is a associate professor of business at Vanguard University, just down the road from Concordia, where Gilbert works. And uh, in addition, Bonnie has had a tremendous amount of leadership experience in corporate America, too. So she really brings a great perspective on how to work with young people. And I really encourage you to reach out with questions that you may have for us on this topic this week so that we can address them during part two of this episode. And if you have a question or comment for the show, you can call me at 877-LEARN-45, or you can email that comment or question to feedback at innovatelearning.com. And you can stay connected to this show and future updates on iTunes. Just search for Coaching Skills for Leaders or the BlackBerry Podcast app. You can subscribe there for free. And Gilbert had mentioned some tools and resources during our interview, so you can check out links to those on our website. Just search for episode number seven, Coaching Skills for Leaders, at InnovateLearning.com. And of course, we're on Facebook too, Innovate Learning. 
So we look forward to having you back here next week. Thanks again for listening and looking forward to your feedback. Have a great week out there leading folks and see you next Monday for part two of Coaching the Millennials. Have a great week, everybody.